What's your dream? What's your goal? What's your motivation? What's important to you? What's your passion? What can you do to change the world? This is What's Involved. Conversations with thought leaders and change makers from around the world. Hear stories of hope and inspiration to help motivate people like you to live your life, find your passion, and live your dream. Together, we can all bring positive change to our world. Now, here's your host, David Watts. Once again, it is What's Involved. And man, we get this year, I'm telling you this year, I got some of the best guests lined up for you. Why? Well, just because we can and because I, I love introducing you to new people and new stories and ideas and things like that. So today we are chatting to uh, Gordon Hooper. And uh, Gordon is from a company called Batelier Brand Planning. Now, before we get into all of that, welcome, Gordon. Great to have you along with us. Thank you, David. Good to be with you and your listeners. Now, now let's get into the, the, the important part and the nuts and bolts of this whole thing. Tell me a little bit about Gordon, because I think once we know a bit about you, then uh, we'll see how we can transition into how you now uh, run Batalia Brand Planning. So give us a bit of background. Certainly, David. Well, first of all, um, I'm quite old. I'm in my mid-60s. Um, I originate from Durban, and uh, I'm a family man, uh, married. Um, I have four children, and uh, my original vocation was in engineering, but I left that in the 80s. Um, I, I'm a, uh, an amateur musician, and I'm an absolutely passionate South African, um, pro-South Africa deluxe. You see now immediately that's where you and I have something to, to in common. I was I was saying uh, to a gentleman that I interviewed the other day. I'm a I'm a rabid South African. I love South Africa. I love our country. I love our people. I don't love what's happening in it, but uh, you know I'm I'm the eternal optimist, and I believe by sharing good news and and positive stories and uplifting stories. Uh, we can we can have some small impact on on the on the narrative, but how do you go from engineering into brand planning? Because this this sounds incredibly technical, and it sounds like it's marketing based. So so where did Batalia brand planning come along? Um, certainly, it's a good question. It's one I get asked often, and only people who are as old as me can remember the mid eighties. <clears throat> In South Africa, when we had uh, some very, very miserable politics, and uh, uh, that caused civil engineering to be put on the back burner for the government. And um, uh, I took the decision, along with many of my colleagues, to study business as an alternative to the profession I had chosen. And uh, three years later, I was working for an advertising agency. And of course, advertising agencies um, deal with brands and uh, plan how brands uh, should be operating strategically in the marketplace. And after a short career in advertising, I decided to start my own research company uh, called Battler. That was 1988. And David, what most don't know is that the mathematics involved in um, making buildings stand up um, is almost identical. In fact, it is identical to the mathematics we use in measuring people's perceptions or what we as human beings think about matters. Okay. And and, and I'm glad that you didn't uh, bow to peer pressure and, and uh, change the name Batalia because I'm assuming it was named after the Batalia Eagle. Uh, which uh, subsequently had to get renamed because somebody decided 
that the Batelier wasn't a, a good name for it. But uh, and, and if I still remember any of my natural history, uh, the reason for the Batelier Eagle is the name uh, sort of, it, it's reminiscent of somebody standing on a tightrope and balancing. Um, is, 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 does that have any connotation for you? Um, it, it does in a way. The, the name Battleur comes from the French, which means a tightrope walker or a juggler. And the Battleur has a short tail and it flies with a swaying motion, which is where it got its name from, David. But um, for we like the idea of an eagle, and the Battleur eagle is one of the most beautiful uh, because of the strategic analogy. Eagles fly with a very, very um, big strategic view of a wide landscape using incredibly highly attuned eyesight. So our business is like that. High degrees of detail required in bits of data to get a large strategic viewpoint of the marketing terrain or the business terrain that we are consulting in. Now, Gordon, give me an idea of the kind of people who would who would need to make use of a company such as yours, brand planning. It sounds sounds fairly broad. So, so what is involved and, and why would one need you? Okay, thank you. It's a, an interesting question too. Um, so brands um, are thought of in particular ways by consumers and a brand could also be the company you work for. So they could be thought of in a particular ways by employees. So it's all about perceptions. What do I think about a brand like Volkswagen or Toyota or BMW? What do I think about a, a brand like Flora or Rama Margarine? What are your thoughts about that? And my kids said to me one day, Dad, what do you do for a living? We don't understand. And I said, you know, what we do at Battler is we find out what people think. And that's it in a nutshell, finding out what people think. So if I, if you, if, if we can help you know what your customers think of your product or your brand, then you can uh, use that information to help improve your products, improve your services, improve your advertising, the way in which you deliver your product. And exactly the same internally, if, if uh, we can help you understand how your staff members are thinking about your company, then that knowledge will help you improve the way in which they think about you and, generally speaking, create um, uh, a good um, a link between what the marketplace wants, what the company wants, and how we are perceived to deliver it. Finding out what people think, David. Brilliant. Okay. I like that. I like that because sometimes, you know, if you ask people, they don't really know what they think. So uh, if you're drilling down into that, that's fantastic. But now, who do you appeal to? So, so um, you know, like a small mom and pop business may not be able to come to you or may not be able to afford you. Do you talk to larger corporates? The answer is largely it's it's bigger corporates, but uh, we have done work for all kinds of companies, and we also do work for um, you know academic people, people who are doing master's degrees and PhD degrees, where, um, uh, which we usually do on a pro bono for free basis. Uh, but typically, David, our clients are large companies, uh, private and listed companies. Many of them are global brand names, uh, such as, for example, some of the automotive brands that I mentioned to you. But yes, um, it is typically organizations with big marketing spins that spend money on the kind of research and brand planning that ourselves and our colleagues in the marketplace provide. Okay, now this leads me to the next question. Now, what, what was the catalyst for you going and saying, okay, let's do a whole um, white paper and, and dive into South African fears, fantasies, and how it correlates to whether we are happy or 
unhappy. What made you decide on that? <laughs> okay, so once again, I'm going to take us back to the 1980s uh, when I was much, much younger. And my first job for an advertising agency was a multinational advertising agency, um, a well-known one. And their New York office issued a piece of research that they'd conducted globally called Fears and Fantasies of Consumers. And um, I found it fascinating at the time. And in particular, what I found fascinating was that in a list of 52 fears experienced by American citizens compared to South African systems, uh, sister, citizens, excuse me, um, the fear for one's personal safety was at the bottom of the list for Americans, but at the top of the list for South Africans, 52 items on the list. And uh, of course, you know, the world has evolved since then. And I'm sure that many Americans fear a lot of things these days. Um, and I'm sure that we still have the similar fears, although perhaps off a different platform than we had back then. So I've always had the idea of fears and fantasies in my mind. And uh, given that we've come through COVID and given we've got so many issues to deal with globally and in our lovely country, uh, my, my co-directors and I decided late last year, it would be a good time to assess how South Africans are feeling uh, uh, about things, just general things in life out there. And somebody told me once, and I'm not sure if it's true, but they told me, David, that there are some 3,000 words in the Oxford Dictionary to do with how us human beings feel. And 3,000 feeling words, that's a lot. And then this author went on to say that all those words cascade or boil down into one of two feelings only, that is joy or pain. And that's yin or yang, or fears and fantasies. And I've always found it fascinating that we've become uh, so good at being refined in how we talk about our fears, our fantasies, our joys, our pains um, in such nuances. But actually, it boils down to there are two human motivations, avoiding fear, avoiding pain, and trying to uh, achieve some form of nirvana or pleasure. That's fascinated me. And I thought, let's double click on that and see how South Africans are feeling right now as we speak. I think that's fantastic because one of the things, and, and, and as part of, of my little portfolio that I've created for myself, um, is, is we do a lot of, uh, facilitate a lot of sales training. And in my training, um, I am um, very much involved with uh, neuro-linguistic programming or neuro-linguistic psychology, as it's called these days. And uh, one of the tenets there is that we do things for two reasons. We're moving you know, away from pain or towards pleasure. Um, and, it, and it fits into exactly to, to what you were saying. So now the $20 million question, I'm going to save until when we come back. Um, and then I want us to dive in to how do we feel? Uh, this is what's involved. My special guest is Gordon Hooper from Batalia Brand Planning. Um, they've just recently re uh, released a research-based white paper talking about South Africans' fears and fantasies and if and how this correlates to our happiness or unhappiness. Back in a bit. Hey, like what you're hearing? Share the podcast with your family and friends and spread the word. This is what's involved. And we're back. My special guest is Gordon Hooper of Batalia Brand Planning. And uh, we're talking about their research paper that they recently released. And uh, we're finding about our fears, our fantasies, and does this relate 
to happiness or unhappiness. So, Gordon, let's kick off right at the very beginning. You know, when you do research like this, you can't sort of, you know, go and hand out a paper to to your neighbors or the people on your block because I'm assuming you need a larger sample size. So how do you go about finding a sample size uh, that, that's going to be an effective representation of our country? Yes, no, thank you very much for the question. Obviously, um, to go and interview people on a random basis using paper and uh, pen, as we used to, is extremely expensive and time-consuming, and it is still done, um, but it was not how the survey was done. This survey was done using online methods, so it is absolutely true that some people in South Africa do not have access to the internet and therefore were not able to participate, uh, regret regrettably. Um, however, you know, the way the cell phone has uh, evolved today, uh, it's amazing how many South Africans uh, of all classes and uh, 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 types have got access to the internet. So using our databases of South African consumers and using social media, we campaigned and advertised participation in the survey and acquired a very nice sample of almost 1,600 South Africans um, across all different types across the entire country um, that have completed our survey, which gives us a result that we can we believe is a good, reliable picture of how South Africans are feeling in respect of fears and fantasies, those South Africans who can answer a survey online. Okay, so let's dive in because uh, it's always in the forefront of, of our minds these days because I don't think people can, can have a paragraph uh, of a discussion without talking about the government or ESCOM or this or that or you know, in my days, young man, we did we had electricity, and you know, uh, in 1967, Pretoria Central uh, had a power failure for 15 minutes, and it nearly caused riots. Those kind of things. So, so what are our biggest fears? And I'm I'm assuming the biggest fear is corruption, government, or am I wrong? Actually, um, it would seem that way at first glance, but. Because that's the type of conversations we hear around the braai and the dinner table um, and in the queues. But in fact, it goes beyond that. It's not the go the government. It's not about corruption. It's so easy to bash the government. Um, and a quick anecdote, you know, I was told on a recent uh, trip to KZN, fly rather than drive because the roads are so bad and the tolls are so unfriendly. And, and I deliberately drove, David, and it was exactly the opposite. The roads were beautiful. The toll operators were friendly. The, the trucks were not badly behaved and they were full of new cars being sold. The economy was vibrant. It's so easy to bash the government. But really what the fear is, is not the government. The fear is poor quality of life. Now, unfortunately, the government does come into play there because we vote for a government to bring us a better life, to bring us quality of life. Um, so the biggest fear that us South Africans have is generally speaking, not achieving a quality of life that is acceptable to us. And I can double click on that one. The first the biggest component, David, is money matters. Inflation. A full 62% of the sample said, I'm worried that I can't make ends meet at the end of the month. Now, of course, this is a global thing, inflation. It's not our government. It's the whole world is talking about inflation and money matters and the cost of living. And I think we can all feel it. 
Then the next one has got to do with safety. Now, you could argue that this is um, government-related, but certainly 44% of our sample are expressing fears about their personal safety, which naturally is crime-related. And, of course, load shedding is causing us to eat cold meals, not being able to study properly at night, not being able to run our businesses, and so on and so forth, with a massive 55% of us complaining about load shedding. And you could argue that that is also a component of government, but ultimately it's quality of life. Um, unemployment uh, at 45% and uh, is an important fear. People are, can see it with your own eyes. You can drive around the country and see so much poverty and so much suffering as a consequence. And yes, ultimately, maybe government is involved in that in or in the solution, but it's the quality of those people's lives and how it impacts on every other's other people's lives that counts. Um, financial stability, which really means, David, a long-term outlook. Will I have enough to look after myself and my family when I'm old? So once again, we're talking financial and linked into that, my ability to save. So I'm going to answer your question or your hypothesis on the government is to blame with actually it's a bigger picture. The fear is about overall inadequate quality of life involving the factors I've just mentioned. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you there. Uh, corruption obviously falls into, into that mix in terms of our fears, doesn't it? It does. Corruption is on the list. It's medium weight in the list. I think, okay. to be honest, that we have had such a gut full of it for so long that uh, perhaps it's it's receding into the background. It comes back uh, uh, with great vengeance every now and again, as it did recently late last year. But um, once again, ultimately, the fear extends to fears about quality of life, and corruption is one of the ingredients. Now, when we're talking fears now. So, Gordon, do, do these fears that we as a society um, exhibit, do they then translate into unhappiness? Yes, they do. Um, uh, I think I should quickly button down for us, David, um, some measurements of unhappiness. Amongst our sample, only 15% declare themselves to be unhappy people. Now, you could argue that's a lot. Uh, you know, 15% is a reasonable amount of people who are saying, putting their hands up and saying, I'm unhappy. And we know that there are big issues with mental health and lots of difficulty out there uh, in society. But it's only 15%. When you compare that to 54% are putting their hands up and declaring themselves as being happy. That's more than half are saying they're happy. So what about the 31% I haven't mentioned? Well, these are people whose claim to be neither happy nor unhappy. They're, they're neutral. And I don't know what's the worst place to be in. I think that possibly it's worse to be one of those 31%, David, who are feelingless. They don't know whether they are waking up happy or unhappy. Or maybe one day it's happy and the next day it's unhappy. Mm. Um, at least if you wake up like the 15% miserable every day, you know what you're dealing with. Or like the 54% uh, who wake up feeling, yes, I'm positive. But yes, we are not as unhappy as I expected, um, with most people declaring themselves to be happy. But we did do some very interesting analysis on fears, to answer your question, David, on what are the fears of the happy versus the fears of the unhappy. And the fears of the unhappy, are oh, lack of purpose, 
The unhappy are the people who say, you know what, I can't see a future. I don't have any purpose for my life. I don't have any plan for the future, David. I'm worrying about money matters. I have failed relationships. I'm lonely. And I don't like my body. And I don't like my hairstyle. And I don't like me. So this is so interesting that there's a strong relationship between being unhappy and lacking a vision of the future and lacking self-confidence and lack and fearing, worrying about things that have to do with me, my body, my money, my relationships. Understandably so. Conversely, David, when we look at uh, the happy people, this is so interesting. What drives their happiness um, is uh, the overall, sorry, the fears that they harbor, I've already talked about, this overall quality of life. And yes, the government's inability to perhaps participate in helping us uh, uh, live a good life. Um, people who are happy tend to worry about education matters. This is an interesting one. Overall, education didn't come through as being a big fear, yet it should be because Think about it. Good education creates a plan for your future. It creates ability to solve your money problems. Um, but yes, those people who are happy tend to be people who are more concerned about matters like education. Um, and here's the interesting one. Um, the, the happy people tend not to be griping about social media and technology and fake news. They live with it as part of life. It's part of the modern way of life. So, um, uh, quite interesting, we did do a whole double click on the role of social media in happiness versus unhappiness, uh, but we won't go into that in detail today because it's not about fears and fantasies. But just to say okay. that, yeah, carry on. Now, I'm just, as I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm thinking back. I was uh, involved with a company many, many years ago, and they were tasked by one of the big insurance companies uh, to go out and do AIDS awareness, AIDS education and to present all of this at schools. And when we did, you know, we thought, okay, there's, there's enough now of the bad news of this shock and horror and, and having a look at real-life situations of people living with HIV and AIDS, what can happen to them. <clears throat> and we thought, right, this is, this is going to have an impact. And then when we went back and asked some further questions, the kids were laughing at us. The kids were going, you are telling me that I must worry about a disease that might kill me in 15 or 20 years um, when I could get knifed going home today. And a lot of them had this, this um, we, we termed it in those days as this given up complex where they were like, we just don't care. We, we, we don't have, and it boiled down to, they didn't have a compelling vision for their future. So if there was no vision for the future, why, why worry about any of this other stuff? And I find that fascinating that that's still largely at the core of, of people feeling unhappy and, and not belonging, et cetera, et cetera, is this lack of purpose and lack of vision. Um, it's, it is amazing. And, and it's something that hopefully people that uh, get hold of your research paper will actually take cognizance of and go, okay, well, this is something we need to, we need to look at. I want to move on, though, to fantasies, because just reading the headline got me all excited. So uh, we're going to move on to that when we come back. This is what's involved. My special guest is Gordon Hooper of Batelier Brand Planning. We're talking about their research paper, uh, all about happiness and unhappiness and their fears and fantasies. 
Getting on to fantasies, as I said, when we come back. We'll be right back with more What's Involved. David would love to hear from you. To leave a voice message, visit whatsinvolved.com and click drop me a voice note. And we're back with Gordon Hooper, my special guest. He's from Batelier Brand Planning, uh, talking about uh, the recently released white paper. Uh, We've discussed fears now, what I think should be the fun parts. What are the fantasies? What are some of the biggest fantasies that we as South Africans have? Okay, so thank you, David. We're on to the... um, the the what I think is the important message here because it doesn't help to dwell on the negative, uh, dwelling on the positive. This research has shown is what is going to bring happiness anyway, and that purpose that you're talking about. Um, so uh, when I was very young, uh, as a boy, we used to have a card game called Happy Families. It was a very trite and silly card game uh, that we played as a family. And funnily enough, the um, the biggest driver of biggest fantasy. I should say, uh, David, is to have a happy family, a happy family. And that makes so much sense, and it's so simple. Um, There's nothing worse than having problems in a family. And the reason why we create families in the first place is to create purpose in life, for our families to continue, for humankind to continue. So it makes sense to me that this is at the core of human beings' fantasies. Now, I do want to say that let me never say that money doesn't buy happiness, Um, although we can show that that's largely true. When you have so little money that you are suffering from hunger and suffering from discomfort and cold, it's an unhappy state of affairs. One does need money to alleviate the basic problems of food, clothing, shelter, things that really do make us miserable and unhappy. So provided we've got enough money to be physically looked after, From there onwards, David, the research shows that money brings financial security to a family and therefore happy families. Being able to support one's family financially is a large fantasy. Um, To spend more time with loved ones, which is becoming so much more difficult these days as so many people have to work to put butter on the table. Um, So, And being a good parent, these are the core fantasies that top the list um, uh, from our research, David. Wow. Okay. All right. I was I was thinking top of the list would be people going, I fantasize about getting the hell out of this country um, because that's what we hear a lot. I'm, I'm definitely not of that mindset. Uh, I believe that, uh, you know, it's, it's those of us who choose to stay and believe in the brighter tomorrow. We are the ones that are going to make the change. So, so, I'm surprised that that's not at the top of the list. Does it does it feature, though? It does feature. Um, I can give you the stats on it. And thank you for asking the question. Um, uh, the escapism is what I call it. It's the second biggest fantasy after happy families. So you're almost on the money there, David. Um, escapism. But escapism to while immigrating is actually quite low on the list. Let me unpack this for you quickly. The single biggest form of escapism at 46% is to travel the world. And it's not only the young folk who are keen to go out there and experience uh, other countries and how other people live and other cultures. It's also the older folk who are looking, you know, in their latter years to go and have a bit of fun and excitement over there. So 46% are fantasizing about uh, traveling the world. Then there's an interesting form of escapism, David, which is called winning the lottery at 41%. 
So uh, many people are still fantasizing about getting a large check. Uh, and then, of course, um, who knows what we'll do with the money. But that's the second biggest escapism-related fantasy. And then 36% are saying, I'd like to live my life with no regrets. In other words, you know, not hold back on fun things. That means fun, essentially. And then the last on my list of escapism fantasies, David, is to live in another country at 21%. So yes, one in five of our sample are saying that they are open to immigrating or at least living in another country for a while, um, but it's not the most prevalent uh, fantasy by any manner of mean. Well, that is that is very encouraging. I'm so happy to hear that because, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to go and visit different countries and and explore and learn about how other people live. I think that's that's part of our our makeup as human beings. We want to do that. Uh, in terms of winning the lottery, though, I, I think uh, uh, somebody's marketing paid off way more than it should have because you know when when we think about what the chances are there, uh, statistically, uh, not going to happen for a lot of us. Um, but where where do the people and and I know I often spout this out and I, and I'm trying to get to to a place like this uh, I'm not there yet but we you know we can live a simpler less complicated life a more I don't know in the old days they would have called us hippies but um, you know a, a less complicated more kind of eco friendly sort of life spend time with the family work life balance. That's one of the interesting ones I've heard. Uh, how, how are we looking there? Okay, so that's a fascinating question. And why it's so fascinating is that not only because it's the third most important category of fantasy, it's also the one category of fantasy, David, that directly correlates with happiness. Directly correlates with happiness. So, And I've called it the, the compassion and empathy um, set of fantasies. And I'll quickly run you through them. Uh, the biggest fantasy within the set of compassion and empathy fantasies is to for a world where people are kinder to each other. At 39%, let's call it 40% of our sample are saying, I fantasize and wish that people were nicer to each other. And I have looked at this hard and uh, repeating on my little trip to KZN, I made a point of talking personally, just one comment to every single person I met at a toll gate. They all looked me in the eye and smiled and made a lovely comment, a kind comment back again. I think that kindness begets kindness. And maybe I'm being a little bit optimistic, but certainly my personal experience shows that to be true. So a world where people are kinder to each other at 39%. The next biggest uh, fantasy within the compassion and empathy bucket, David, and here it is for you, to live a simpler and humble life. To live a simpler and more humble life. And mm. remember what I said earlier, money does alleviate the pain of poverty, and that's serious pain. But once you've got enough, that you're not uncomfortable in terms of food, clothing, and shelter, money doesn't buy you happiness. In fact, if anything, it buys stress. So um, uh, the, yeah. how do you achieve that happiness if it's not through money? Well, it's through the next fantasy on the list, David, which is supporting others. There's a direct and the strongest correlation in our entire survey is the happiest people are the people that spend their time thinking about how to help other people, how to grow other people, how to support and nurture other people. I think there's a word, it's a big word for me called selfless. It's the opposite of selfish. 
And the one conclusion we've come to is that the more you try to acquire assets and look after yourself, the less likely you are to be happy. And conversely, the more you try to make other people strong, the more likely you are to be happy. And then you know, last, I, I would go, agree. Go, go. Let me just jump in because I would agree with that. Um, I read this many, many, many years ago, and I think it was uh, Zig Ziglar uh, who, who said, you can have anything you want in this world if you just help enough other people get what they want. And, and, and this, that's always rung true for me. It's, it's about being of service. It's about showing empathy and compassion. And I often talk about this. Um, and a, a friend of mine owns a company called the Sales Institute. And we actually were having a discussion about this the other day. Like in, just in the field of sales, there's no heart anymore. There's, there's no compassion. There's no sort of people actually caring what they do and actually caring about you as an individual, all it is, it's about the sale. Close the deal, get out of there, make the money. And uh, to me, I'm glad that you brought this up. And I hope a lot of people are going to have a look at this, this kind of research. Anyway, I digress. Let's get back to what, what you were saying in terms of the fantasies. Well, I do want to double click on what you said or time of what you said on sales. Um, you know, Tom Hopkins, who's an author of the, I think, 70s on sales, champion salesmanship, he puts it down to a salesperson's job is to solve customers' problems, i.e. to remove their fears and satisfy their fantasies. It's not to sell a product. The sale of the product comes because of the efforts of solving the customer's problems. Um, one of the escapism uh, fantasies that I wanted to share with you that I omitted is creativity. It is a form of escapism. It's an important one. And not enough people in our survey, uh, it appears, are pursuing creative activities, playing a musical instrument, cooking, gardening, um, doing stuff that takes their mind off the, the matters of life. But certainly creativity um, couples, David, with compassion and empathy as being helping people create that sense of purpose in life, which thereby creates ultimately that happiness that our research is showing us to be linked. Yeah, wonderful stuff. I mean, I, I, it's, it's so nice that you've got this all out. Um, Gordon, we, we, when we come back, we're going to wrap up and uh, – because I'm sure by now people are going, okay, David, Gordon, thank you very much. That's great information, lovely statistics. How do we get our hot little hands on it? So uh, when we come back, uh, we'll chat a little bit about that. This is what's involved my special guest, Gordon Hooper uh, of Batelier Brand Planning. Back in a bit. This is what's involved. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. More next. And we're back, wrapping it up with my guest, Gordon Hooper of Batelier Brand Planning. So, Gordon, you've done all the research, you've, you've collated all the data, and uh, you've got this white paper on whether people are happy, not happy, what drives them, et cetera, et cetera. Where would, how would people go about getting their hands on this research, and why should they get their hands on it? Well, let's deal with the, the last question first. Why should they? Um, because hopefully you'll find it an interesting read that gives you a lot more detail than uh, what we've done today, David. But it will help you in your business um, and in your family life. Because hopefully my mission is to help people understand that accentuating the positive, having purpose 
um, creating um, uh, energy that has a, is a positive vibe is going to create happier families, happier businesses, and happier marketplaces. Um, leadership is all about inspiration, not instruction. I heard that from a wonderful leader called Brunt Pretorius only last week, and I'm quoting him on it now. Um, when you are m- making messages for a radio station or a television station for your brand, put positive messages out there, positive feelings. Don't rule by fear. When you are sitting at your dining room table and talking to your family, bring out the positive conversations. Don't admonish because it's not going to help. It just makes people feel bad. And we need a planet where there is better communication. And we know that people only communicate off a positive platform, not through a basis of fear. They latch onto fantasies and they react badly to fears. On how to get the paper, well, first of all, the paper is free. It's There's no charge. And all you have to do is go to Battler Brand Planning's uh, uh, website, or our Facebook page, or our LinkedIn page, and you'll find it downloadable um, at no cost. You've said it twice, so let me just reiterate and make sure I understand. You've gone through all of this expense, all of this time, you've done it, you've collated it, you've put it together, and you are making it available for free. So this is not something that just the big corporates can get their hands on. Um, A mom-and-pop organization that wants to find out a little bit more about how to fine-tune their message, Uh, people that are in the media um, wanting to find out, listen, how do we better uh, relate to our audiences? This Anybody can get it. Anybody can get it, David. And anybody who gets it is welcome to share it with anybody they like. We hope that this positive message helps our culture and our society. You see, this is this is fantastic news. And this is why I like talking to people who are doing great things in our country, you know, who are doing positive things in our country. And this is is a prime example. Uh, Gordon, to you as the MD of, of uh, Batelier Brand Planning uh, and to your team, I take my hat off. Well done to you guys. Uh, I have have some small idea of how much work actually goes into research like this and putting it all together. And uh, the fact that you have decided to make it available. Thank you uh, from all of us who are listening. Thank you. Before I let you go, though, because now you've you've now finished this particular research paper, what's next for Gordon and for Batelier Brand Planning? Gosh, <laughs> now you're putting me on the spot, uh, David. Uh, we do um, f- fairly regular white papers, uh, possibly two to three a year. Uh, we do invest a portion of our income in researching uh, a wide topic of matters, um, we have got uh, quite a, a, a large survey that's just being published now on load shedding and what people are doing to overcome load shedding, uh, the alternative energy side, which again is a positive outcome. Uh, we've got a very interesting survey that I'm busy writing up at the moment on the differences between the, 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 the centennials, the millennials, the Gen Xs, the baby boomers, and how we all relate to each other and how we perceive each other. And hopefully that will help the dinner table conversations uh, for I need that one because I promise you, I battle to keep it all separate in my mind. Um, at my best guess, being born in the late 60s, I'm a baby boomer. And then from there on in, it gets very murky for me. So definitely something uh, well worth uh, finding out about. If somebody's listening, and and, and we do have uh, quite a large listenership that are, that are sort of uh, – involved in various large corporates 
and they go, hang on a second, this could help the marketing department, but we also need to speak to these guys and, and maybe get them involved in, in us fine-tuning some of our processes. Are they able to do that? Absolutely. My, my, my personal details are available online, <clears throat> um, again, via LinkedIn, Facebook, and um, I'm very, very happy to take uh, emails, personal telephone calls. Uh, we're not shy at all to converse with anybody who wants to talk to us. All right. And and then, uh, okay. And then the single best uh, point of contact, I'm assuming, would be the website. Is it just bateliabrandplanning.co.za? That's correct. And uh, Battler is B-A-T-E-L-E-U-R. Battler, B-A-T-E-L-E-U-R, brandplanning.co.za. That is the place that you can go. Uh, yeah. you, can get, you can get the paper that we've just spoken about and also contact details there. Gordon, thank you once again uh, for doing what you've done and for taking the time out to have a chat to us. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure, David, and thank you to you and your listeners. There we go. Wraps it up for this edition of What's Involved. My special guest there, uh, Gordon Hooper, MD of Batalia Brand Planning. Uh, once again, that website address, bataliabrandplanning.co.za. Go there, check it out, get that white paper. And uh, wrapping it up, as I said, to each and every one of you, look after yourselves, take care, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to What's Involved. We hope this episode inspires you to find your passion and live your dream. Don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast. And to see what's happening, what's going on, and what's coming, follow What's Involved on Facebook and Twitter at What's Involved. Thanks again for listening.